Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk sheet. Recorded live. This daddy came with me to the hospital. Yeah. His name is his real name is Eric. But we call him Brabra. Eric. Are we on? Ready? Welcome into this place. Welcome into this broken vessel. You desire to abide in the praises of your people. So we lift our hands as we lift our hearts as we offer up this praise unto your name. Welcome into this place. Welcome into this broken vessel you desire to abide in the praises of your people so we lift our hands as we lift our hearts as we offer up this praise unto your name Welcome into this place. Welcome into this broken vessel. You desire to abide in the praises of your people. So we lift our hands. As we lift our hearts, as we offer up this praise unto your name. So we lift, we lift our hands. As we lift, we lift our hearts. As we offer up this praise unto your name. So we lift, we lift our hands. As we lift, we lift our hearts. As we offer up 
this praise unto your name. Amen. We thank you, our Father and our God. We give praise, glory, and honor to you once again for bringing us to this point in time in our lives, dear God, that we can expound upon your holy word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your protection that encamped round about us throughout the course of this day, protecting each and every one while we're zapping one from another, keeping us safe from hurt, harm, and danger, fighting our battles and giving us the victory over every work of our enemy. Lord, we come to give praise, glory, and honor unto you because you're worthy to receive the praise, because you're God and God alone. There's none like you in all the earth, and we thank you for being our God, allowing us to be sons and daughters of your kingdom. Now, Father, as we come before your throne of grace and mercy, Lord, open up and reveal your word unto us. Out of the wisdom and knowledge of your word, dear God, give us the revelation, dear God, that we may make application and we may be the people of God that you have called for in these last even days. In Jesus' name we pray. Our lesson, Second Samuel chapter 22. Chapter 22 of Second Samuel. We begin reading from verse number one. I'll be reading to you from the King James Version. Therefore, if you have a Gideon, an NIV, or any other type of Bible than the King James, some of your verses of Scripture may read differently than mine, but I pray that we get an understanding together. Solomon saying, all you're getting, get an understanding. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song, in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled, the foundation of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth. Divide coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly. And he was seen upon the wings of the wind, and he made darkness pavilions round about him dark waters, and thick clouds of the sky. Through the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and discomfited them. And the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered. At the rebuking of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils, he sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me 
from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my state. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, and he recompensed me. I have kept the way of the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. All his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him and have kept myself from my, in, my iniquity. Therefore the Lord had recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyes, in his eyesight. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. And with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the fraud, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. And the afflicted people, thou wilt save. But thine eyes are upon the hearty, that thou mayest bring them down. But thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop. By my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. Woo! For who is God? Save the Lord. And who is a rock? Save our God. God is my strength and power. And he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to walk so that a bolt of steel is broken by my arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy gentleness had made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me so that my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them and turned not again until I had consumed them. I have consumed them and wounded them, that they could not arise. Yea, they are fallen under my feet. For thou hast girded me with the strength to battle. Then thou rose up against me, has, and, and, and them that rose up against me hast thou subdued under me. Thou hast also given me the necks of my enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. They looked, but there was no none to save, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. Then did I beat them as small as the dust of the earth. I did stamp them as the mire of the street, and did spray them abroad. Thou also hast delivered me from the striving of my people. Thou hast kept me to be head of the heathen, a people which I knew not shall save shall serve me. Strangers shall submit themselves unto me. As soon as they hear, they shall be obedient unto me. Strangers shall fade away, and they shall be afraid out of their close places. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. It is God that avengeth me, and that bringeth down the people under me, and that bringeth me forth from my enemies. Thou also hast lifted me up 
on high above them that rose up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks unto the unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto thy name. He is the tower of salvation for his king, and showeth mercy to his anointed, unto David, and to his seed forevermore. Second Samuel chapter twenty two, verse one to verse fifty one. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading here and do of his holy word. What a chapter of praise. Everything he's doing here is giving praise to God. Everything he's been through, everything he escaped, everything he got over, everything he went through, all the praise, all the glory, all the honor went to God. Now he's the king of Israel with a whole army behind him. With the power of all the men that, that served him, but he didn't give the people no credit. You don't see him giving, taking credit, and you don't see him giving credit to the army that he had with him. All the credit, the glory and honor went to who? Went to God. It teaches us that regardless of what we go through, regardless of how we come out on the other end, all the praise go to who? Go to God. Go to God. Um, let me remind you today. Let me remind you. When we take glory away from God, we put ourselves in harm's way. When God had called Moses, look at all the wonderful things Moses did in God's name. Went down into Egypt. Knowing that the Pharaoh that was down there was seeking his life because he had killed an Egyptian soldier. But God said, look, I took care of that for you, Moses. I need you to go down there and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He went down there. He spoke. He preached. He did signs and wonders that, that God had given him the power to do. Brought him through the wilderness. Made him, made him be looked up to when he uh, smoked the water and the water separated at the Red Sea. The tribute went through on dry ground. Did all of these wonderful things through, through Moses that people looked at Moses as a God. But one thing Moses did, he took the glory from God when he smoked the rock. God told Moses, speak to the rock. Moses got in, got in himself, he got into flesh, and he smoked the rock and took the glory from God. And when he did that, God allowed him to get to the Jordan River and look from the mountaintop to see the promised land. But God said, you won't go into it. We got to be careful when we take glory from God. Everything we do, every morning we wake up, every night we lay our head down, we got to give God his glory. We got to give him his praise. We got to give him thanks. Because we didn't make it through this day on our own. God brought us through this day. You don't know what kind of things was lurking around you that God saved you from. Therefore, when we get back in, we ought to thank God say, Lord, I thank you for keeping the, the, the car wrecking, the enemy is away from me. Thank you for fighting my battles. Because there's battles that God fights for us that we don't even know about, that we don't even see. And this is what David is doing here. This whole chapter is nothing but praising God. And he's given such praise that he made a song. He made a song out of it. This same song, some of these same things that's, that's, that's 
quoted in Second in, in Samuel chapter 22, look at Psalms 18. It's in there too. In Psalms 18, it's in there too. The 18th book of Psalms, it's in there. Now, why do you think that David is giving God all this praise? If you've been following this, this, this second book of Samuel, David had been through hell. And the hell he'd been through, he brought it on himself. Look how merciful God is. Look how merciful God is. We put ourselves through hell, but God takes us out. He let us feel it, he let us feel it because they call that chastisement. And he said, those that I love are chastened. He said, but if I chasten you not, then you're a bastard child. That's what his word says. That if I don't chasten you, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't submit to, to, to chastisement, then you're a bastard child. You know, you got some children that, 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 that we raise, that people raise, if you try and put chastisement on them, they talk about calling the police for you. You got some of them that got some bulk on them, they want to raise their hand back up at you. But God say, if you don't submit to chastisement, then you're a bastard child. You're not a mind. And so, so David here is giving God praise because now he can see the light at the end of the tunnel. His own son rose up against him. His son raped his daughter. Now his son is, two of his sons is dead. One person tried to get the whole, the whole nation of Israel, the tribe, to rise up against him. God took care of all of that for him. God took care of all of that for him. I don't care what people you got with you. I don't care what kind of lawyer you got, what kind of doctor you got. I don't care who's, who, who's out there standing at your side saying, man, if they mess with you, I'm going to fight with you. God is doing it. God did place you in the hearts of these people that God will fight, is fighting your battle. You might see the person, but it's not the person. It's God moving inside that person fighting for you. And, and David is acknowledging that. We have to acknowledge the fact that regardless of who God put in our life, it's nobody but God. Do you realize everybody you meet is only because God called, called them to cross your path? Everybody that we meet that has been a blessing to us in some form or fashion is only because God allowed you to meet them. God allowed them to cross your path. And so David is acknowledging everything that's going on in his life. It was nobody but God. Look, look how he start off here. Now, this right after, they had all of these battles. And who they was having all these fights with? The last, the last uh, six, seven chapters, uh, the verses, the last six, seven verses of the 21st chapter, they were fighting what? Giants. And every giant they fought, they got the victory. One of the giants almost was about to kill David until one of the men came to his rescue. And so now since all of this battle is over, David rise up now to give God praise. Look what he said. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song. He starts singing about the Lord. Do you remember when, when, when the children of Israel crossed through the Red Sea? What did they do once they got over the other side? They murmured against God. Mir no, Miriam. Moses' sister got the congregation of people together, and they began to sing songs. They had a praise party going on. They had a praise party. Look, they got a song that they sing. Say, don't wait till the battle's over. 
Shout now. Shout while you're in the battle. Give God praise while you're fighting the battle. While you're going through it, when things don't look like it's going to work out, give him praise then. And God's going to fight for you. Because you let God say, Lord, whatever I'm going through right now, I trust you with it. That you're going to give, get me through this some way, somehow, I'm going to get the victory in this situation. It don't look good. It don't sound good. But God, I know that you're good. And this is what David is saying here. He said, and David spake unto the Lord the words of this song. In the day that the Lord had delivered him. He did this when the day that God delivered him. When he got delivered, he began to give praise to God. Out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. He, he's remembering, he's talking about what he'd been through. And he realized that what he'd been through, he never would have made it if it had not been for God. Without God, we can do nothing. David wrote in one of the book of Psalms, he said, if, 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 if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, my enemies would have overtaken me. The pains of death would have swallowed me up. Look what verse 2 says. And he said, who's saying this? David. And he said, the Lord is my rock. Now, what is a rock? A rock is something that's solid. That's what a rock is, something that's solid. And it depends on the, 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 the size of it. If it's a large rock, then that means that it's unmovable. It's something that's solid. You want, you want to stand on something that you can bank on? Stand on that rock. Jesus Christ is the rock. He's that solid rock. The songwriters say everything else is sinking sand. But on Christ, the solid rock I stand. He's the rock. David said, the Lord is my rock. He knew that he was able to depend on God. If he can depend on the people and nobody else, he knew he could depend on the Lord. Who are we depending on today? Depending on people? Depending on, on, on money? What, what are we depending on today? If we read in the sixth chapter of, of Matthew, in the 33rd verse, look what he says. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And all of his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. So if we put our trust and our dependence upon God, then everything we need, he has it. Everything we need, he has it. But we can't play church. We got to be the church. We can't try and play a mind game with God because God, God can't be played. He can't be played. He said, look, I know your thoughts from afar. God ain't going to let us use him. God is not like man, like you can get over on God and just use him up. Then when you finish, you walk away. You walk away from him. No, God is not like that. God will put you through some things to make you really look up. He'll put you through some things and make you really look up and say, God, you do rule in the hearts of man. God will make you out of believer. You can't play with God. You can't play with God. David said, look, the Lord is my rock. He's solid. 
That's something I can trust and depend on. I can stand on this. That's, that's more or less what he's saying here when he said the Lord is his rock. This is something that I can stand on. What are we standing on today? What are you trusting in today that you think you can stand on? You can be up today and down tomorrow. But God, God is the God that's always standing. The flowers may fade and the grass may wither, but the word of the Lord shall stand, follow, forever. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. Now, what is a fortress? A place that you go in in a time when a battle is coming. And so David is saying, God is all of these things to him. He's not only a rock that I can stand on, but he's a place that I can go in and hide. I can find refuge and safety in him. He's my fortress. That's the place where the, where, where the battle comes from. When the enemy is trying to attack the city, the fortress is there. And people are shoot, shooting the arrows and, and, and different uh, weaponries from the wall, from the fortress. And my deliverer, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. Woo! That's a whole lot that you can put on one person. Like some people say concerning their spouse, oh, she or he is my friend, they're my lover, they're my wife or my husband. You know, I can depend on them and this, that, and the other that they say about this individual. Why? Because time has proven these things to one another. In regards to what storms come in our marriage and our life, we're still standing together. We withstood all of this together. And so that put dependence and trust in one another. And so this is more or less what David is saying. All the things that he had been through, God had proved himself to be everything that he's saying here. He's my rock. Because I can depend on him. I can stand on him. He is my fortress. He's the place that I can go in and find safety. And he is my deliverer. Now, the rock he's standing on the focus is the place that he goes in when the battle is raging, but although the battle is raging, he said, God delivered him. Through all the things he'd been through, God was the one who delivered me. He is my deliverer. The, the God of my rock. In him. Not in no people. Not in the money. Not in the house or the cause or the friend. But in God, I'm going to put my trust. We trust people, but what happens when we call on people at times? They're busy. They can't answer the phone. I'm going to call you back. You're waiting and you're waiting on people. But when you call on God, one songwriter said, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. You know, those are some fine words to say, but can we actually do it? 
Can we live up to those words that we say? I didn't heard a lot of people get before the church and say some swelling words until testing time comes. Pastor, you don't have to worry about me. I'm going to be here. Oh, Pastor, you don't have to worry about that. I'm going to make sure that's done. Oh, Pastor, I'm going to be there at church. And the one who you think you're going to be there then told you all of these swelling words, they're the first one that don't show up. They're the ones that call and say, well, look, I can't make it. They're the ones that say, well, look, I ain't going to be able to take care of that. I got to, I got to work. My, my, my work schedule changed. It's always an excuse that comes up. One thing about us, Paul says that we all must live by the words that we preach. We got to live by the words we preach. The words we testify and witness about is the words that we're going to have to live by. And so when we say these things, we're going to be tried by them things. And we didn't got before the church and said a lot of things. Amen, somebody. We just spoke up for a lot of people. We didn't encourage a lot of people. But now it's time for you to put that trust. You're trying to preach and teach trust in somebody else. But now it's your time to show the trust that you have in God. Do you trust him like you told other people? David said, in, in him, the God of my rock, will I put my trust. I trust him. Because we didn't been through hills and valleys. And everywhere I didn't been, Every trouble I got into, he didn't brought me out. He's my deliverer. So now I'm going to trust him. How can you trust him if you've never been through anything? How can you be an effective witness for him if you don't try him for yourself? You want me to try him? But you don't try him. When you get caught in a trial or a situation, you're crying like a pig caught underneath the fence. You're trying to get away. But God said, no, not yet. I need you to go through a little bit something because I need you to really know who I am. That I am just who I say that I am and I'm going to do just what I said I would do. But how can we know what God is going to do or can do if we don't know it personally for ourselves? We got to have a personal relationship with God for ourselves. We want other people to have a personal relationship, but we don't want to go through the pains, the trials, and the tribulations for us to have our personal relationship with God. David had been some, through some things here. And so now he's able to say, look, I can trust God. I can trust God. He done brought me through some things. He'd been my rock, my fortress. He delivered me. Now, the fortress is the place where, where a person goes because the battle is raging. You're not going to stand out in the front, out on the battlefield, and in the open where people can just shoot you. So they got behind the walls in the fortress. That's a place of protection from the enemies, from the, from the battle. And through all of that, he said, he delivered me. Now, he's the God of my rock. In him will I put my trust. Have God proven himself to you? Well, if he proved himself, if he proved himself to you with one thing, he'll prove himself to you with another. Because all of that they call growth. That's how you grow. That's how your faith is encouraged, by the things that you go through. 
When we read this Bible and see what these men, these men, this Bible was written on the back of men lives. That's why the Bible says that, 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 the, that, the, that the holy men of God was divinely inspired by God to write these words for us. It wasn't just written by a man. It was divinely inspired to write these words through the things that they went through. These people lived through this. They didn't, Job didn't have a Job before him. Job was the only Job in the Bible. Ain't but one Job. Ain't no Job one and two. No, one Job. He had to live that in order for to encourage you and I. And but one David. Yeah. One Saul. They lived this. Jeremiah. They lived what they had to go through. Jeremiah was the prophet for God and he went through so much of hell. He said, look, I'm not going to even speak your word no more because every time I say something look like hell come my way. But the Bible said that it was the word of God was in Jeremiah like fire shut up in his bones. That he could not hold it. He couldn't, he couldn't hold it in. And so he had to preach because God was on the inside of him. When you got God on the inside of you, no matter what kind of hell you go through, whatever he calls you to do, you're going to do it. If he saved you, you're going to live saved. And so David said, in God, in him will I, will I trust. He is my shield. Now, when he said he, that the Lord is his shield, do you know what a shield is for? A shield is something that, that you put up to keep the blow from hitting you. It hit the shield instead of hitting you. You feel the impact when it hit the shield, but you're not suffering the blow. The shield is suffering the blow. What did, what did Isaiah say? He was wounded. He was bruised. And the testament of our peace was where? Not on me, but on him. Everything that, that we had to deal with, he suffered it first. Wounded for my transgressions. Bruised for my iniquities. All of this was mine, but he took it. He was my shield. He shielded me from this. When he went through that, that meant now that, when, that, that I, don't have to, I don't have to go through it. I might have some aches and pains in this life because the Bible says the point was for man to die, but after this comes the judgment. So now I don't have to be judged because he's my shield. He shielded me from the penalty of sin. He became sin for me. He became a curse for me upon the tree. Cursing is the man who hangs from the tree. Christ hung on the tree. When they put that, that, that rugged cross together, it was made from a tree. Cursing is the man that hanging on the tree. He became a curse for me. So I don't have to, I don't have to worry about dying a second death. Oh, yeah, I know I got to die the first death. Everybody dies. It's a party once for man to die. That's not the death that we have to worry about. It's the second that we have to worry about. But since he died on the cross for me, and I accept him as my savior, I don't have to be concerned about the second death because he saved me from that. And so he became my shield. He shielded me from the hellfire. Everything that Satan comes at me to try and get me to turn away from God, 
He shields me from that. So Paul said, if I submit myself to God, resist the devil, he's going to flee from me. Why? Because he's my shield. He protects me from all hurt and danger that the enemy tries to throw at me. Put on the whole armor of God that we may fight against the wiles of the enemy. We got to put it on, brother. And the only thing we got to put on to fight against those wiles is Christ Jesus. Paul said, put on, put on, put on the Lord Jesus. We got to put him on us. We nothing in ourselves. I don't care what kind of honk you are. I don't care how good looking somebody say you are, how fine a woman is. We nothing without Christ. We ain't nothing but dust. From dust we came, from dust, we're going to go back to. I ain't never saw, in my 70 years of living, I never saw nobody come here looking like a, like a Coke bottle, then turn into a two-liter. That shape ain't going to last always. Those good looks ain't going to last always. But Christ lasts forever. He is forever. He's everlasting. Christ is everlasting. So we can't put our trust in our looks. We can't put our trust in how we are shaped, that people desire or lust after. We got to put our trust in God. That's the only thing going to matter when it's all said and done. Because we all got to stand before him. And David said, look, I didn't been through this and I didn't been through that. And I found out that my trust is in God. That's why I got to put my trust in God. Because why? He didn't shield me. He shielded me from the hands of my enemies. Now, during David's time, it was the Philistines, it was the, it was the Amalekites, it was Saul, people from his own household. It was all these people that was after him to take his life. Now, who you think is our enemy? Satan. That was the physical that David fought. We fight what? A spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through who? Through God. So they're pulling down a stronghold. And that's what a lot of us have on a stronghold. Things that we call a habit. God, the Bible calls it a stronghold. Something that you don't feel to be that you can kick. Oh man, I just can't get over this. This thing just keeps riding my back. We're talking about the devil riding. How the devil, the, the world, the devil going to ride your back if you say you're inside of Christ? And he defeated Satan over 2,000 years ago. Went down in the grave and took the key from him. He looked back, he said, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Christ took the sting away from death, the victory from the grave. Death and grave had, a, had an agreement. The grave told death, say, look, if you get him, I'll hold him. But they couldn't hold, the grave couldn't hold Christ. He got about it today. He couldn't hold him. Now the Bible said the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead is the same spirit that raised you and I up. Why? Because he's our shield. He didn't protect us from all of that. When the trumpet, when the, the Bible said when the trumpet shall sound, the dead in Christ are going to rise. And we which are alive and remain going to be caught up in a moment and in the twinkling of an eye. He said, look, when the earth is, is burning with a fervent heat, he said, look, when that time comes, he said, heaven and the earth going to burn with a fervent heat. 
And when all of that stuff starts burning, we ain't going to be here to go through that. Because God has shielded us from that through, through Christ. Through the blood of Christ, we've been shielded from that. He said, he said because all things are going to become new. They're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. Everything's going to be new. And how, how, how are we going to be protected? Because Christ is our shield. He's our protector. He's our deliverer. And the horn of my salvation. Now, when you talk about a horn, that's, talk, that's, that's giving a, a, a sight to something that's instrumental, right? And what a horn gives? It gives off sound. It calls attention. It gives sound. Every time when you're sitting in a quiet place and something drops or something, you, you're looking around, what, what was that? And so David said, look, he's the one we got to look to. He's the horn. Where did that sound come from? It came from, whoo, Lord, have mercy. It came from God. Where did, that, where, where, where did that victory come from? It came from God. How did my situation get turned around? It came from God. He's the horn. He's the horn of my salvation. Where salvation come from? It come from God. God prepared a body for Christ. He said, he say, uh, God gave his son, and the son did what? Gave his life. He said, to this end, he said, for this reason, for this purpose was I born, and to this end was my cause. He was born for this. He was born to give his life. He knew what he came for. And so salvation comes from him. That's the only place we get salvation in. It's through Christ. And it sickens me to hear some people say in some churches, the pastor, the preacher, who's supposed to give you what, what the word of God says, have you gone through, jumping through hoops to get saved? When the Bible says, whosoever call on the name of the Lord, the same shall be saved. That's what the word of God says. With the heart, Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But you got some churches going and having you going through classes, going through this, that. Look, I can understand you teaching young Christians until they be able to grow. I can understand that. But when you have to have classes for a person to be saved, there's a problem with that. I got a problem with that because it's not biblically sound. That's not what God says. That's something that, the, that a church, a denomination, then picked up and, and put in the, in the church that people will go through. So people could brag, oh, I, I went through this. I, I, got me a, I got me a certificate on the wall. I got this and I got that. Baby, do you have Christ? That's all that matters. Because the certificate on the wall, when, when the earth comes to, when the world comes in there, that certificate is going to burn up too. And you got people carrying all of this prestige, trying to make themselves look like they're more important than God. And got people jumping through hoops because they got to go to classes before they can get saved. Come on. We as a church, we got to do better than that. And when I say a church, I'm talking about the universal church. I'm not just talking about, about any individual church. I'm talking about the church as a whole, worldwide. 
and you got some churches, some pastors doing that to people, make them go through classes to get saved. When the Bible says, with the, with the heart man believe unto righteousness. And how do he believe? By what he heard through the gospel. And when he hear it, confession is made. Look, I tell you something like, look, in the book of Acts, the Bible says that God went to Stephen and told Stephen, say, look, they got this Ethiopian man coming from a worship service. He's heading back to Ethiopia. He's been in church, and they talked from the, chapter, from, from the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, but he didn't understand what he was reading. And the Bible said that the, that the Ethiopian was in, his, was in his chariot, reading, trying to understand what he was reading. And so God told Stephen, say, look, I want you to go down to Gaza, down to the south, and join yourself to this Ethiopian man. And when he got there, Stephen asked him, say, look, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I understand except some man should guide me? And the Bible said that Stephen began to preach Christ to him, began to open up the scriptures to him. And he said, look, since now my knowledge of Christ has been opened up, he said, here's water. What hindered me now to be baptized? He didn't have to go through no classes. He didn't have to jump through no hoops. He heard the gospel. He accepted Christ right there on the spot, and Stephen baptized him. But you got churches making people go through hoops to join their church or, 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 or to be saved or whatever, be baptized. When it's not biblically sound, you're ruining people. And you're making people think that they're more than other churches because they say, I got a certificate. My pastor gave me a certificate. We went to classes. You say, y'all just joined the church and like, oh, man, something wrong with that. We went through classes. We got certificates. We passed this and we passed that. And so now they're walking around like the Pharisees and the Sadducees with long robes on. Want to look like they're all important. When the only important one in our life is Christ. Yeah. Who's more important than Christ? David said, he's the horn of my salvation. Not no man, not no, no prestige, not the crown that they put on my head and say I'm king of Israel. He's the horn of my salvation. The people who went out there and fought for me and got the victory in that battle, they didn't save me. God saves me. David ain't giving no credit to nothing and nobody else but God. But God. And it really sickens me, I'm telling you. It really sickens me when you hear people in a church that have to go through this, that, and the other and jump through hoops in order for the journey of that congregation or, or as, as per se, get saved or be baptized in that church. And what they do, they go tell it to somebody else. And so now the person who they go and spread that to, if they're a young Christian and they're not really founded and grounded in the word of God, guess what they're going to do? They're going to feel like as if they're not saved. They're going to feel like as if though they didn't been taught wrong and all the rest of these things and go running after what somebody else say rather than what the word say. That's why we got to get to know God for ourselves. You don't, hear, you don't hear David saying here, he's the God of Israel's salvation. He's not saying he's the God of my house's salvation. He's the God of my salvation. It's personal. 
And unless we get that and learn and study and seep ourselves. Look, my, my, I remember when I first got saved, I didn't know nothing about the Bible, nothing. I used to read and didn't know what in the world I was reading. Only read words because I knew how to read words. I was taught in school how to, how to pronounce words, so I knew how to read words. But I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know how it applied to me. But when I began to start going to Bible study and hearing the, the, the preacher break the word down, and look, he said, follow me. He said, get your own Bible and follow me as I read verse by verse and, 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 and compound on the verse. If the word is not lining up with your spirit, he said, and call me a lie. Don't hear what I'm saying. But if the word is lining up, if I'm, if I'm explaining to you what the scripture is saying, and, you're, and, it, and it agreeing with your spirit, and it's lining up with your spirit, but then it's not me, it's God. Because all of us have God's spirit if we say we say it. Same way your mother and father. You get your DNA from your mother and father. And if you got other siblings, they're going to have that same DNA in them. Same thing with Christ. If we say we say it and he's now our, our heavenly father, the same spirit God gave you, he gave me that same spirit. That's my DNA. I'm covered with the same blood you covered in. I'm washed by the same blood you washed with. I'm saved by the same blood you were saved with. So what's make us any different? Nothing. Nothing make us different. <clears throat> the only thing different between us is how we talk. That's why Paul had told the church, he said, look, believe on the same thing. Speak the same thing. He said, whatever things are true, whatever things is right, whatever things is pure, whatever things are honest, he said, think on these things. <coughs> <coughs> We all have to have the same mind. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. We got to think on God's word, not on what the preacher is saying that we got to do because they made up these rules and regulations in their church. David said that the law was the horn of his salvation. A horn is the thing that gets a person's attention. Look. See, in, 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 in ancient times, they had different types of, of horns. They had these trumpets that they blew. One sound was for war. One sound was for the assemble the people together, get the congregation for, for, for worship. Another one was for to warn the people that the enemy was approaching. <clears throat> and so the horn was the thing that got the people attention. Oh, I heard this sound of horn here. That's, that means the, for, for the congregation to be gathered together before God. Oh, I heard that type of horn. That means that, that it's time for to get the men to, to battle to go out to war. And so David is saying this horn here is his salvation. Yeah. It got his attention. What's going to get your attention? It's not your church who saved you. It's not the preacher. He's just a vessel for God. Without God, he ain't nothing. My high tower and my refuge, my savior, thou savest me 
from violence. Look what all David said that God is to him. The next time you're on your knees or you're sitting down or wherever you're at saying your prayers, let God know what, you, what he means to you. And he ought to mean more to you than a dollar, a house, a car, a job. David don't mention anything about no financial situation, any of that. He said, he's my high tower. He's my refuge. He's my savior. And he saved me from what? From violence. All of these things he did for him. Because guess what? If you don't have that, what can money do for you? Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, Whitney Houston. A lot of these people had all the form and, 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 and money, the fame and, 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 and all of this. And what happened? Could that money and all that fam save them? It was miserable. Michael Jackson died from overdose of, of prescription drugs because he couldn't even sleep. Hmm. He couldn't sleep. Started off with a pain medication because of a commercial he had made and his hair caught on fire. And from that, it went on and on and on. And it got worse and worse and worse. All that money couldn't do him no good. All that fame and fortune couldn't do him no good. Whitney Houston, same thing. Elvis Presley, same thing. And many more after them. All these athletes dying at young ages because they took take all of these enhancement drugs to make, it, make their muscles big and so they can go out there and, 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 and live in the professional world. And what good is it did them? Al Alzado, this boy here dried up from cancer, from taking all these drugs. A lot of them is trying to sue the NFL right now because they ain't worth the quarter. Look at uh, this boy who had the running back uh, was, was, was for uh, the Houston Oilers, Earl Campbell. If it wasn't for his two sons, he'd be dead today. They saved him from prescription drugs. Famine fortune, his name ringing all over the news, all in the newspaper. And so he wanted to live up to this hype and ran himself to death for people. Junior Seau put a gun to his head. What good is money going to do you when you don't have God working for you? David said that God was all of these things for him. He trusted him. He was his shield. He was the horn of his salvation. He was his high tower. He was his refuge, his savior, and saved him from all the violence. So that's just a little footnote I'm dropping. That next time you pray, let him know what, you, what he means to you, what all he's done for you, and give him thanks. Everybody wants to be appreciated, even God. When, 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 when you do something for people, it makes you feel good to know that you help them and that they appreciate what you, what you, what you did for them. It makes you feel good. 
I didn't heard people say that when a person show appreciation for what you did, sometimes it's worth more than a check. Amen, somebody. Amen. When, your, when your supervisor, your boss, acknowledge the work you done did, and they come say, man, look, I really appreciate that job you're doing. Although they're paying you, you hired to do that job. But the man come and acknowledge what you done did, and it make your chest poke out, make you feel good, even on a payday. You acknowledge what the person told you much more than the check you got in your pocket. Because now you know somebody appreciates your effort. Mm. And that's the same thing with God. God wants to know that we appreciate what he do. He's a jealous God. I pray that something we say through these uh, few verses of Scripture tonight have been a blessing to someone and have opened up our eyes of understanding that we need to give God his credit. Yeah. And what is his credit? Praise. That everything that had breath, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So we thank God tonight for his word on tonight. Next week, uh, we're going to open up and find out what some of the scriptures, verses of scripture we covered. What do you see in it? What do you get out of it? We want to hear you come, you know, give some feedback on what you see, you know. How it made you feel from what have already been opened up to you. Because it's always when somebody begins to open something up, we begin to see even more. And the most thing we see, ourselves. I don't know about you, but that's the first thing I see is me. It's not my brother, nor my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, that stand in the need of prayer. Hmm. That concludes our study for tonight.
God, I feel it. Yes, sir. As many of the children 
But the other answer is in Deuteronomy 8, does not even fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said, Jesus, remember me when thou turnest in thy kingdom. And verse 43, and he said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today you shall be with me in paradise. All right. Amen. You may be seated. Father, just use for a brief moment a word of comfort and conviction. All right. All right. And I'm glad that I serve a God who knows when to speak and what to say. Well, well, well. Don't go. And I'm grateful that even in the time of my meeting, when we are in the cross of life, God knows what to see and when to see. Oftentimes it is not what we wanted here, but it's an appropriate word. Because we have been talking about three times about a thorn in my flesh. My request to God that he will remove the thorn. But instead of removing it, and he said, he spoke, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in my weakness. It was not what Paul wanted to hear, but it was what Paul needed to hear. And Paul was able to rejoice and say, most gladly, therefore, when I rather rejoice in my infirmities, and the power of grace may rest upon me, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Sometimes the word that God speaks into our minds is not the word that brings us out of our trouble, but it is the word that gives us peace and grace enough to be able to cope with our trouble. And I thank God that He was not only that He has not always brought me out of my stuff, and I praise Him for bringing me through my stuff. Okay, tell us what he said in battle. Uh-huh. Do it all. Do it all I learned to trust in Jesus. Yeah. I learned to trust in God. Yeah. It is the Lord that he speaks that gives me strength to handle whatever it is that I'm dealing with. Well, well, well. So this guilty dying man, uh-huh. this guilt-filled dying man who was on the cross, is able to look back over his life and he see all the wrongs that he has done to the people in his life. And as he reflects on his life, it brings him to the reality of his divine. When he comes to the reality of his divine, he says to Jesus, Jesus, when you come to see your kingdom, Lord, remember me. But thank God that he not only was Jesus, that was not only Jesus, but prophet in And the Lord is going to redeem this man's mind. He says to this man, not only will I remember you, but today you shall be with me and recognize. It's what it is, this word that shows me, it's this word that excites me, because every now and then, I need the Lord to say something to me. And I need folks to shut up. I need to hear from God. I don't want to hear from you. I need to hear from God. There is something that has to take place in this text. And that made Jesus fall in his feet up and made Jesus pull on his will. That made Jesus agonize and speak to him and tell him today, you shall be with me in heaven's life. 
attention tonight because all they had to
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.